www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening! Okay, are we all well? You're very welcome to be here. Um, have you, I was going to ask you to do a bit of a recap about the, the message series or more ask you questions about it. So we're looking at Psalm 23. Can you turn me down just ever so slightly, Pete? So are you finding benefit in the message series? Are you discovering new things about what the Psalm is actually about? Because if you're not, I most definitely am. Hopefully you're finding some of the lenses that they give you. It's like getting up several different pairs of glasses. When you look at the different verses and then look at your life, it can start to bring some uh, truth that sets, not can, it will bring some truth that will set you free. Certainly that's been my testimony in the process. I also wanted to give you just a little bit of an update. We are on the, the building situation. We are still very much in the building situation, and our solicitors and architects are now communicating with the other solicitors and architects. And I don't know how many times I've sold that, but we are not giving up hope because we do believe that this is the year to find a place to call our own. So please continue to be praying about that. Now, my next question is, are there any tissues at the front? Could you grab one for me, please? So please be praying about that for us, and uh, it seems to be moving along just at a very, 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 very slow rate. Okay, so let me read Psalm 23 to you. You can close your eyes, you can read along with me, or you can uh, do whatever helps you to listen. So let me read it to you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the psalm has progressive layering of the, on the reality and truth of the opening verse that the Lord is my shepherd, that he is mine. So hopefully that's something that you keep getting hammered with every week. It's all dependent on whether he's your shepherd or not. And actually, there's another role in this psalm that I have to say in 41 years I've only noticed as of a couple of days ago. The Lord is my shepherd, it all hinges on there, and it's really important that we recognize that the shepherd thinks incredibly differently to me. Have you found that? He does things differently. His paths are different, like illustrated, it goes from one to two to green to minus three to B to five. That's how he leads us. It's rarely a straight line. Yes, we all getting that? Is your life feeling like it's all over the place? And how am I here? And why does it look like this? And it looked like, thought it was going to look like that. And are you serious? What's going on? It says in Isaiah 55, 8 to 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, clearly, and my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. Clearly that is true. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. So if you're going to walk with God, you're going to get frustrated, and you've got to recognize that you're going to get frustrated, and you need something to be able to do with your frustration, which is divide your soul and your spirit, recognize that it's offensive to your soul often how God leads you. But if you trust Him, Eventually, in the end, your soul will go, oh, this is quite nice. Just takes a bit of time to get there. 
So to be able to think differently, you and I have to die to our self-interest. Keep banging that drum. John 12, 24 and 25. And the only way that you and I can die in healthy ways is to yield ourselves to the leadership of Jesus Christ. And Dallas Willard said, who we love Dallas Willard, he said, it's not the death of self, but the death to self. So it's the death to self-interest that often in situations we want to order circumstances so it's better for us and our soul rather than, God, what are you up to here? And do you want me to remain in a place that actually is causing me some pain and I'm going to have to die to? I'm quite sure that you all can put your hands up to that experience. It's about no longer having the domination of the soul. And there's several programs on TV at the minute, not to name any of them, but it's all about how I feel. Well, feel this. I just feel this right now. This is how I feel. I can't deny my feelings. This is how I feel. And then it all blows up, and they're like, I don't know what happened, mate. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. It might be something to do with how you felt, and you just went with how you felt and suspended actually good judgment. So it's not about how we feel. And last week, we were looking at walking with the shepherd through dark places, and the even though... David starts with, even though I walk through, and I suggested or offered to us all that there are going to be even those in our life. Habakkuk 3, 17 to 18 says, even, listen to how many even those there are here. There's actually only one. Listen to how many things he says, even though in reference to good recovery, Colin, thank you. Even though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, although there are no sheep in the pen and cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God my Savior. That's the bar. And we can't get there unless we die to ourselves and go, oh God, oh God, oh God. David is acknowledging the negative reality of the dark place, and he's not drifting into false positive. He's not whipping out a hallelujah when it's really all falling down around him. So the question was, do we do that? Are we confident enough or humble enough to be able to say, this is really difficult and painful? And you can't access what you really need if you won't accept where the shepherd has led you on the circuitous path. And the psalm, that part of the psalm tells us about walking through, that it's present tense, that we've got to keep walking, and the temptation in the valley is to stop and to go, it's <laughs> too hard. I'll just get used to this. Just let me just get used to this difficulty and stick Netflix on and trying to change the circumstance a little bit. It's of the utmost importance that you and I continue to walk, and the way on is the way through, and we will not fear any evil because he is with us, and his rod and his staff comfort us. The rod brings protection from the enemies and also disciplines us, a little whack every so often to stop us from going down a ravine, and it also, um, the staff rescues and guides us. So today we're going to look at the enemy, the table, the fragrance, and the cup. It's a bit like the land of which in the world, except out of the fourth. The enemy, the table, the fragrance, and the cup. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. I have never read these verses in relation to each other because I've never understood them. When David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and then you anoint my head with oil, was it just me, or did you think that he was going from God's preparing a table and, and where the enemy's about, and then he's anointed as king? Or is that just me? Was that just me? If it's just me, it's a sad state of affairs. And you're not giving me anything, so I'm going to assume that you're all with me, okay? So there's a shift in this verse from being the shepherd to 
Anyone? Master of the banquet. I totally missed this. We all say that this is the shepherd psalm, but actually it's the shepherd psalm and the master of the banquet or the host of a banquet. And I had down here a question, am I own with having missed that forever? And it's clear that I may well be. So a fuller understanding of this psalm is the Lord is my shepherd and the Lord is the master of my banquet. Verse 5 is about what God does and how it affects us. So as you read through this verse, this is all about what He does for us. Whereas verse 4 was a lot to do with what we have to do to keep going. I'm on a creaky bit of the floor. Let me move over. God is up to something in the presence of your enemies. It's nice to say that. It's nice to say it here. But are you aware of that? The word in the Hebrew for prepare is arak, which means to arrange or to set in order. So when the enemy is most active in your life, I would offer you that God is in the process of ordering and making preparations to set things in place. God is arranging a table and setting in order something for you to consume that will nourish you in the presence and the sight of your enemies. Let me say that again. God is arranging and making a table, setting a table up with something for you to consume that will nourish you in the presence and sight of your enemies. And if you don't know who your God is, then you will be afraid of and focus on and keep your vision on the enemy rather than on the activity of God. That's what we do, isn't it, most of the time? If the enemy's around, circumstances are really difficult, we tend to look at the enemy and all that he's doing instead of the presence of God and what God's up to. So we get to choose whether we focus on life or death. It's the, the, old, the old question that um, Joshua offered the people that day when he said, today life and death is set before you and it's your choice, which is kind of scary whenever you think about it, that we actually have the choice as to what we're going to focus on. Psalm 37, 13 says, the Lord laughs at the wicked for he knows that their day is coming. So he's not perturbed by the enemy. And what's clear as you dig into this verse is he's really, he, he really actually makes the enemy his most reluctant servant. If you haven't noticed already, it seems that all of this happens in the wrong place at the wrong time. Do you feel like you're in the wrong place at the wrong time at all? Anyone? Remember, if you follow the shepherd, he's going to do things the way you wouldn't expect him to. So the only way to be able to see his will is to let your mind be renewed. That's Romans 12 too. And the other thing that if you haven't noticed already is he tends to let everything run to the point that it looks utterly hopeless and despairing, doesn't he? It's what he does. I mean, Jesus died. <laughs> the, the solution died. And because we know that he came back to life, we miss the fact that the disciples were living in utter hopelessness. God is completely unperturbed by the presence of the enemy and he's absolutely unafraid of the enemy. And he, this is the key thing. The enemy force, or God forces the enemy to be, be witness to God's love and care for you. The enemy hates God because he picked a fight and he lost. And therefore he hates the object of his affection, which is you and I. And therefore God... I don't know why that gets me emotional, but God chooses to let the enemy be in the land. And then he goes, your table's right here. 
You like the ticket seat? What could it get you? Is that just me or does that sound completely ridiculous? God has certain feasts for you that can only be eaten when the enemy's around. And God, oh, it's gone quiet. Recognize the presence of the Spirit. God will deal with threat if you let him. The enemy uses fear like a cloud to enshroud us so that we're manipulated to act in ways that are in line with the enemy's plans. So part of the agenda of the Spirit of God in all of this is he will take you to places where the enemy is and you're afraid. And then if you let him and if you choose life, God will draw threat and suspicion and fear like poison from a wound. God is with us, nourishing us in the presence of our enemies to remove the power of threat and the fear that the enemy has instilled. Simple example, if a child or anyone is afraid of dogs, the child will always be afraid of dogs unless the child is led by someone who loves them to experience a different reality. Typically, if the parent or the leader demonstrates by speech and actions with another dog that is maybe safer, that they're not to be feared, the love of the parent will drive out the fear that has gripped the child. So really we go, God, I don't want to go there. And God says, that's where we're going. And we go, we pray fears of our prayers of avoidance. I don't want to go there. You're good, so therefore you won't lead me there. And God answers with, I am good and I will lead you there. I'm going to give you one of those examples that's a little bit uncomfortable for me because it's very transparent. So stay with me and be gentle and smile sweetly at me and nod and give me the, oh, Colin, looks. So when I was in my first isolation, I initially struggled deeply for many days on several reasons because I was confined to a study. Secondly, because I wasn't able to have freedom and do whatever I wanted to do. And thirdly, because I wasn't with my wife and children and it was really very hard. And what came up for me uh, kind of, not all of a sudden, actually, it just came to my awareness over, over uh, the period of days, was the word unwanted. I thought, oh my goodness, where's that come from? That seems to really fit for lots of things. And like I'm suggesting to you, I took up the glasses of unwanted, and I looked at my life and I thought, oh my goodness, there are so many circumstances where I am either trying to avoid feeling unwanted or I absolutely do feel unwanted and try to solve it by doing something to make me feel wanted. So as that word came up, I thought, I didn't realize. And as that, came, as that truth came up, I was really set pretty darn free to the point now that when I'm in circumstances and feel that way, I'm going, this is just old news. It's not who I am. I've had experience of God's love. I know that it's real. I know that he loves me and adores me. I know that my family love me and adore me. I'm sure I irritate them, but they do want me. So the thing that I most feared, as Job said, has come upon me. And yet, I'm free. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. God prepares a table for you. And it is for you 
and the feast is in your honor to celebrate you and to nourish you, and you will feel freer than you have ever felt when you've eaten the food that the Lord gives you in the presence of your enemies. The next point is you anoint my head with oil. And this reference, so I did a bit of digging, and the reference is not about kingly anointing that would have happened in the Old Testament. The reference is to the perfumes that were the regular accompaniment of an oriental banquet. Sweet perfumes as a joyous, at a joyous and magnificent banquet. So it's not about anointing, anointing someone as a king. It's about anointing as in welcome to the feast. This is part of the process and the enjoyment and the fullness of the meal. The Spirit of God is affecting our senses through this psalm. So it's about what you see. He's preparing a meal for you. And he's also anointing your head with this fragrant oil because you've arrived at a banquet that is in your honor. And also think about it. God anoints your head with oil. Put your, put your hand, imagine, I think they normally did it with either these fingers or the thumb. You put your head to your forehead and just, just rub it there. Are you going to let anybody do that? If a randomer came up in the street and just randomly anointed you in oil, would you be like, oh, it's lovely. I'm like, what are you doing? Get away. So for someone to, to come up to you, and inside my head I was thinking about, God sanctifies your imagination, okay? So if you were taught that your imagination is totally wrong, he'll speak to you through it. So when I was preparing this, the picture that I have is, oh, it gets me again, is he puts one hand on my cheek and puts the other, dips it in the oil and just rubs it down and, and with a lovely smile says, you're welcome, take your seat. You think about different smells. What smell, come, what smell comes to your mind as I ask you to think about a smell? The one for me is Claire's perfume that she wore in honeymoon. Oh. Every time I smell it, I'm like, that's awfully nice perfume, love. Take from that what you will. But when your favorite smell comes to your nose, what does it do? You're right there, aren't you? The context of this psalm is in the presence of your enemies, you've got your father or the master of the banquet and your shepherd and all of those things coming up to you and very gently anointing your head with the fragrance, telling you that you're at a banquet, sweet smelling aroma that is signifying this is a place to celebrate and to enjoy. He knows how we work, doesn't he? Funny that because he made us. Check out Psalm 139. And smell jars are thinking from one place to another, thus renewing our minds. If you're in a place of distress and horror and the smell that brings you to a place of joy and delight comes into your nose, your mind will be renewed by the presence of God. God will create a wonderful, overwhelming aroma around you in the presence of your enemies. Can I invite the worship guys to come up? The final point is the ample cup. Now, some translations say that the cup overflows, and I listened to an old Jewish rabbi say the cup doesn't overflow. The cup is to the brim full, and it's ample. It has absolutely everything that you need, and it is given to you as a plentiful portion as you arrive by the master of the banquet. So you arrive, you watch this table being prepared, your father or the master of the banquet comes up, touches your face, anoints you with oil, you're filled with the fragrance signifying that you're at a place of celebration and joy, you're going to eat some great food, and you're handed this cup, 
and it's a large cup and it's full of everything that you would need. The cup is given to you and it is present. It is there for you to drink from. So what cup has the Lord placed in your hand that you maybe hasn't realized and you haven't started drinking yet? You have been given everything that you need. Second Peter 2, 3 says, For his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. You have everything that you need. But it all hinges on who the master of your banquet is and if he is actually your shepherd. Can I ask you all to stand with me? So over the past number of weeks since we've come back after COVID, we're now at the place where we're inviting you to the front. If you could pop your masks on when you're doing that, that would be appreciated and just respect the one meter social distancing that's required. So some questions to help you to respond. I want to ask, where does the enemy hold threat over you? And secondly, are there any circumstances in your life that you have viewed as hopeless and despairing? And then finally, do you need God's help to focus on him and what he's providing rather than the activity of the enemy? If you can answer yes to any of those questions or you'd simply like to come forward for ministry, then please come and join me at the front and we're gonna worship for a time together. You have been listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. Remember to check us out at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk and have a great week.